Oh, you know what? Let's start off with the rain this time. With what? Let's go, let's go, let's go straight into Sad Town. Did you hear? Sad that, Town? All right. Yeah, did you hear that China has reported a, a case of uh, a, a, new, a new strain of bird flu in humans? Yay. Oh, really? Yeah. What a great start to the show. Yeah. That's probably the fastest way we can get people to turn off. Okay. Uh, haha. Um, hi, Colin. You're hey. really fun. I went to the dentist today. Oh, that's also hilarious and fun. Yeah, I need to get a filling replaced because they did x-rays and they were like, hey, that looks a bit suspicious. Let's take that filling out, put a new okay, one. Okay. It's yeah. going to cost you 60 quid. Yeah, it's not bad, not bad. And I celebrated by having a yum-yum and now having a coffee. I do like a good yum-yum. Did you know? Underrated. I think we've talked about this before. Did you know that in a certain brand of shops and I believe also coffee chains that work with those shops, they have combined the yum-yum and the donut. Into one. A, a yum don. A don yum. No, a yum nut. Oh, I thought yum nut was something else. Yeah. Okay. You can look, this is, at least it's definitely in the UK, and it is, it's a, I, I had a few yum nuts in my time. Exactly. <laughs> Delicious stuff. Um, really tasty. Yeah, so now you can get your own yum yum, yum nut at uh, certain supermarkets in the UK and also certain coffee chains. Wow. I believe it's Waitrose and the, the and the coffee chains that they partner with, it, which I think is okay. Uh, Costa. I'll look out for that. I go to Costa every Saturday morning. I've been to a couple and I've never seen a yum nut yum nut myself. Uh, <laughs> How about that? We've gone from bird flu in humans in China to yum nuts within sixty seconds. Impressive. Yeah. That's why we are still here. I, ongoing. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I am abiding. I am I am I'm not really here though. Let's make this clear. I'm seventy to eighty percent here. I am I am still dreaming. I just woke up before, so late today. I'm still dreaming. Yeah, just before we started recording, James told me that uh, you'd slept in t- 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 just for a very long time today. Which sounds a like you needed it. super long sleep in. Definitely needed it because I slept through half an hour of music playing through a Bluetooth speaker as an alarm. <laughs> On that point, okay? Because I may have said this before, but Graham is an incredibly deep sleeper, but also can sleep anywhere in less than a minute. So, for example, yeah. last weekend, we just came back from Iceland, which was amazing. Very expensive. Well, maybe get into that. Oh, but we came back okay. and it was like Thursday and 10 o'clock. We just had some food, watched some Andor, and he just kind of like lay down on my lap. And then I was, I said to him, like, right, come on, let's go to bed. It's it's late, we're tired. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, I'm just quite, I'm quite comfortable sitting here. I was like, all right, sure enough, fair second, fair enough. And I took a pillow and I put it on his face as like, uh, right, that's clearly not gonna be comfortable for a while. If there's a pillow in your face, you're gonna want to go to bed. And within less than sixty seconds, yes. there is snoring coming from underneath the pillow. Right. Yeah. Nice. This cushion on his face. And sure enough, lift off and then there's like that kind of like startled huh, and then you realize, yep, you have fallen asleep with a cushion on your face in less than a minute. That's impressive. And it's so annoying. I'm jealous. <laughs> like unbelievable talent yeah, I got like a once in a year ability to have a, a properly deep sleep where nothing can wake me up well, I think I'm getting better at night, it though right? because I've got a cat now and I think my, my brain is getting accustomed to just ignoring things when I'm sleeping sure uh, but definitely it's every now and then it will happen and I will just remain asleep until my body goes and now you're awake and then I go actually I only feel a little bit awake but thank you there's definitely parts of that adaptability whilst sleeping because my brother Chris who also has a brand new podcast called the Strongman Podcast which you can listen to on all available platforms do go check it out it's very different to this show and very very uh, informative and interesting he has lived in 
Edinburgh, just outside Haymarket train station. So one of the busiest intersections in the city for years. Right. And on the rare occasion, I've had to sleep in his flat. He's literally at an intersection of tram and bus stop. And That's a lot of noise. And it's the city centre, so there's sirens and drunk people and tourists and all sorts. And the amount of times I've woken up at like half past five yeah. because of the the shuddering of a train. and a, a train? A tram. A train would be very confusing if it was in the middle of Edinburgh. But the trams, they go past, and the sirens and the buses. And then by six o'clock, I'm wide awake. Whereas Chris will just be like, yeah, you just get used to it. I was waking up at ten. I guess you do, yeah. How do people do it? I don't know. But yeah, you're here. I kind of am here. I, I, I am. I'm back. Came back from Iceland last week. Highly recommend it. If you're looking Did you see for... see the Darth lights? No. Oh, get destroyed. You went to Iceland and you didn't see them? <laughs> what a waste. No. So there's uh, two, two things. First of all, if you want to go to a country where there's just loads of really cool, naturally occurring stuff, yeah, it's perfect because there's yeah. active volcanoes and it sits on two tectonic plates. So there's earthquakes. You say there's hot plates? springs. It's terrible. Yeah, they're, they're plates and they sit on, a, on each other in, and they grind. And they make so, the world there. quake every now and then. They Correct. come to a great and climax and the whole world quakes. Iceland sits on the two of them, or there's two of them basically right through the middle of the country. So hot springs and the geysers and glaciers and just all this amazing stuff. So yeah, we loved it. Giant waterfalls basically everywhere you go. Isn't it? Yeah, it's incredible. I've not uh, been, but I, I know it's incredible, yeah. Black sand beaches because of the volcanic rock that's disintegrated over tens of thousands of millions of years. Amazing place, but my goodness. It was expensive, as expected. Okay. So, yeah. on the first day, we went to the only currently fully erupting geyser in spectacular fashion. It's called Strocker. Strocker? I barely know her. And oh, dear. it erupts every, like, eight to ten minutes. Somebody's doing it then. There's a restaurant there, slash, a, 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 like, a cafe. And, of course, it's, like, a little bit of a tourist trap because loads and loads of hundreds of people are going through there every hour. And it's there to serve food, and the food's very good. Myself and Graham, we got a fist-sized sandwich each. Whose fist? And, like, mine, so, you know, okay. normal size, but not quite real man size. And a bottle wow, of Coke no, each. I reject that statement right there. <laughs> okay, Put that away. I'll rephrase. Adult, 50-year-old man size. Okay. How about that? All right, yeah, when you get old people hands, when they just become yes. sick. <laughs> For sure, yeah, I'm yet to get to that point. So one of those fist-sized sandwiches each, a bottle of Coke each, 40 quid. And that was Whoa. pretty standard. I was not expecting even that high, even though I was expecting a high. Yeah, so that was kind of the, the running theme. It's impressive. But it's fine. Knew it was going to be like that. Prepared for it. Yeah, 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 you plan ahead, yeah. And look, it, it, you had to eat something, so... And- that was it. You know what? Do you know? Do you think those like high prices make the tourism less lucrative for Iceland? No. So, listen to that answer, please. Everyone who says that if we, if our if our economy goes anything, our tourism will stop. Right? If our prices go up, our tourism will not stop. Untrue. You stop talking about that, you idiots. Yeah, uh, and also as you've mentioned, we did. We would have liked to have seen the Northern Lights. However, I know you do get them in Scotland, and also Sometimes, just yeah. because you, the skies were clear in Iceland. 
which they were, yeah, it doesn't mean the aurora is there. You, you still have the to like. The sun is inconsistent. Right. You need to wait for the sun to do something, like send a solar flare or particularly yeah, uh, a lot of The sun's of them. just got to spurt a little thing in our direction. Correct. And it didn't whilst we were there, which is fine. It wasn't like we were living and dying off not seeing them. And I've said to Graham before, like, just go up north at a certain time of year and there's a good chance you might see them. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, they, the photos are totally misleading because the sky does not look like that. It's like a soft tinge of green, and then you take a, a long exposure photograph long over 10 seconds, and suddenly and, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the sky is luminescent. Yeah. It does not look like that. Exactly. Anyway, have you been to Iceland, the supermarket? No. Oh, I have been to Iceland, the supermarket. You know what? There was an Iceland near my place, <laughs> and it has it has been taken over by Lidl. Oh, Weird. There was a there was an Iceland and also some other shop that I forget, and over the course of the pandemic, the little ate them both. <laughs> I think the shops did a little bit of a thing while we weren't looking. I did actually see an Iceland in Iceland, which was novel. Oh, that's interesting. But it did make me think: Are there any other countries which have shops named after them? Surely, surely. I like just just the name because you get a lot of American this or that, but that doesn't count. That's true. Like go to a shop called Canada, but what would they sell? Other than syrup. Moose. Or moose. Yeah, that's just true. A, just moose and moose byproduct. Okay. Anyway, that was our, probably our one and only oh, foreign jaunt this year. Okay, And nice I one. would say, it was only, you know, it's two hours on a plane from Edinburgh, so nice and reachable. But, you know, I would say it's because we're so focused on saving the planet, but it's it's mainly because we can't afford it now, because we're trying to save for a house, so. And you know, this, Valuation you cut of this place. Oh. It's happening on Monday. Hey. Someone's coming in to look and see, hey, here's how much you can get for this place. So I have been frantically replastering and repainting over the last uh, few days. Okay. And the the people I've gone with are like a small family business, great reviews. And it turns out that they sell, they market properties by filming like TikToks and Instagram stories. Oh. And they're like, so if your flat's particularly quirky, then it'll do great. So I'm like, okay, I've got quite the flat for you then. Are plants quirky? He says as he stands in his vocal booth sliding wardrobe in a studio which is painted uh, oh, green. Oh, you could feature. You could feature. This flat comes free with vo- voice work. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. I do actually still have the... Uh, the pole that I could screw back into this wall so it becomes a cupboard again. But, you know, there might be a creative person in I, there. I think they will understand that it is a cupboard, even if you don't put in the one bar that helps it be more cupboard I mean, frankly, if they want to turn it back into a sliding wardrobe with, like, things they can hang on it, they can do it themselves. Because I'm going to take all this stuff down, all the soundproofing stuff, all the flags and all the... I mean, I, I don't... I could leave it, but no. It's worth... No, no, the no, amount no, of money no. and the amount of time I put into building this, this den is uh, worth taking with me wherever we go next. Yes, indeed. But no, congrats. So what's been happening with you other than sleeping? Um, hmm. Let me have a think here. Absolutely nothing. Nice. I saw that uh, E3 got cancelled. This gaming conference convention I thing. Gamers Despair. I wanted to ask you about COVID that. COVID came and killed E3. All the big game companies don't do their demos there right. anymore and there's no big tech announcements anymore. And then yeah. last year E3 were like, oh, we'll be back next year. Nope. It's just got cancelled. It just got cancelled. Rip gamers. What? Could I just ask why? Because obviously you're in the like the gaming world. Is this just like a change I mean, it in terms of how people play or they interact with games or gaming f- studios? See, I'm not sure because there's a few expos that, that have happened already this year that seem to go well. There's a f- different types, but I think just E3 
it's more it's more of a so a lot of the other expos are like one one studio does its own thing or like nintendo does its own thing and they announce all the people that are making games for them nintendo but e3 is more of a a global one all the game companies and all the all the console developers and whatever they all do their stuff um so they have to get enough of those companies interested in going and those companies apparently just not enough of them were interested in going which means that they probably think that the audience isn't interested enough in E3 anymore, um, and I, I don't, I don't really know. I guess the last few times it was on, it was not super interesting, because um, just the game development and especially hardware development is slower these days. So this announcements aren't fresh every year. Okay. So yeah, I guess overall there's just it's just less of a constant drive of new things. It's kind of like how the Apple conference gets more boring every year because it. <laughs> They aren't releasing seven phones every year anymore. Right, sure, yeah. Yeah, similar thing. Although, I, I saw they've, uh, Apple have now introduced Apple Pay Later. Oh, because no. Clearly, they realize that this whole Klarna model oh, great. Is, is now a market they want to get into. So, have a look out for that. If you iPhone people, Apple Pay Later is coming to you. Great, I do love it when companies try to be everything. But we're getting to a point, we'll talk about this in in more detail shortly, With particularly with AI, where it looks like, as with almost every industry, there is this like illusion of choice of, hey, you've got 37 flavors of bagel, but actually right. the, the bagel company is, there's just two of them. And they and they offer everything. Right. And the same is true now with whether it's like tech or even like social media is coming this way too. We'll talk about whatever's been happening with Twitter recently. Come one company owns several things. Yeah. Is there a point where I mean, even political parties where we've seen whether it's the uh, the jury team, which was a, a short-lived Scottish Parliament group, which lasted about six months, the Reform Party is that still a thing? Yeah, ref- Reform is still a thing going right? going along. Is it at a point now where, with certain industries and certain worlds, we're just going to be stuck with the same three or four? monoliths whether this is like fizzy drinks it's beer i mean they might have companies that heineken own it's mental yeah 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 like parent companies have a billion subsidies these days gaming gaming surely yeah 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 microsoft is trying to buy something else right now activision no they already did that one okay microsoft are buying a lot of uh sub of game companies basically and then sony are trying to do the same so it is because we've got and again I'm sorry, everyone. It's really boring to say the same thing over and over again because we live in a world where the dominant uh, structure is a free market of capitalism and light regulation on companies. And the only time we care is if we have a monopoly. Okay. It means that there's not going to be any intervention unless... most most of the of the smaller companies can prove that the big one is getting too big um and it, the standard for too big is crazy huge right. because we have currently got like four companies look at the size of like nestle look at the size of, as you say the beer companies they all are under one or two true like, uh, yep. and we talked about it last time look at eggs in america eggs in america have gone crazy <laughs> there's just a very few companies that control basically the whole supply and therefore they control the cost wild 
Do you know, actually, just when you said that, I read some sort of insane stat yesterday which said uh, one of the leading egg companies in America, their profits went up by 793% last year. Yeah, because they they scam us. 793%? Yeah. How is that even possible? Free market capitalists will just be like, oh, but they just have the same margin. They're just... The prices are a bit higher, so their profits are also a bit higher, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what? Okay. If companies can't be flexible to the needs of the individual whose whose money is getting tighter and whose wealth is, is, getting, is getting stretched, then they aren't functioning. And what we have is a world where the people who own things also set the prices on things. Right, right, right. It's not, there's no... Like, no, I don't think there's a single thing where price of anything is actually following demand for those things realistically. Fair enough. The only people who are setting prices are the people who own the companies, who own the things that they're selling. And that's it. And it's a big scam. And we're all getting scammed. And and we're just getting scammed by fewer people because the ones who scam the hardest make the most money and then they buy their competitors. It's very telling of the show. Did we do the intro? Did we do the intro? <laughs> I've already done that that one of the things that I do and we've not done the intro yet. No, we did the we did the fun intro, but we've gone again from Yum Nuts to, to capitalism. So that's very on brand for this show. Welcome everybody to Seesaw Parade episode three oh nine. Colin is here. James is over there. I've got a cat as well. If you can hear cat noises, she has arrived. Fantastic. Cat is somewhere in the distance. And we are still here. Persevering because we are the monolith of Scottish entertainment slash news slash politics slash sometimes sport <laughs> podcasts. We're going to buy our competition. Absolutely. We're going to gobble them up. I heard there's a new uh, a new podcast just right for the gobbling. <laughs> really? Well, in fact, yeah, TSM podcast by, by the Wellbeing PT, soon to be... <laughs> we're, coming for, we're coming for it, yeah. Soon to be published by Seesaw Parade Productions. So, um, yeah, that's <laughs> happening. Thank you very much for listening. Really do appreciate it. As always, you can get in touch with the show at Seesaw Parade on Twitter or seesawparade at gmail.com. If you would like to have your say on anything that we talk about on today's show, or indeed if you have a review for us, something that you have seen, a TV show. Many TV shows have been either starting or finishing the last 10, 12, 14 days or so. Yes. The last season of Succession is underway. I'm very excited to review that. True. Once that happens. And James, shockingly, I know I invited you to see John Wick 4 last weekend. I still haven't seen it. So if you're around on Sunday. Okay, Sunday. Right. Maybe. Depends on the time. Family outing. Depends on the time. I actually can go early on Sundays. Weird. But not late. Okay. Well, we'll find out. We'll see. Tune into the next episode to see if we made that happen. (laughs) And thank you, yes, once again for listening. It's a three-hour film, right? That's a commitment. It is a three-hour film, yeah. Even me, who's like a John Wick stan, did look at the runtime and thought, the first movie was about a guy whose car got stolen. I think they made two films and then put them together. And his dog got shot. And then 90 minutes later, the film had ended. And it was very, very good. Yeah. How are we now at a point where the film is is almost three hours long. And TV spin-off. And a TV spin-off. Gosh. And also, I heard that I think John Wick, his character, has something like maybe 320 words in the entire movie, and 27 <laughs> of them are like single-sentence words. And someone figured out, oh yeah, this guy got paid 15 million for the movie, so that's like 35 grand a word. Yeah, but how many how many grand per stunt? Because he does all his own. How many, or he does how many a lot grand of his own. per death? That's my question. I think he has like one of the highest body counts in Hollywood history. 
in the trailer for John Wick, they show the well, in the first trailer they showed a stuntman that I'm familiar with because it's a stuntman who does stuff with Carter Digital. Okay. Uh, so do, they do they they do like a. They they look at stunts. Cardi Digital have their second channel. They look at some stunts in one of their shows, right. and they they feature stuntmen. One of the stuntmen they feature was in John Wick, and the first trailer had him there, and I was like, oh boy, he's just gonna like die immediately. <laughs> and then this, the, the the last trailer actually just shows him dying immediately. Oh great! Like, Man, the one stunt guy I'm familiar with, I know this mm. face, and all he does is stand there and then die. <laughs> Well, that's like something. It's a claim to fame. I guess for some people, they realize, <laughs> oh, no. like, I'm never going to be Keanu Reeves. Like, I'm never going to be. He, no, he was, yeah. He was a double for Black Panther. Interesting. In, like, all the early Avengers stuff. So, like, he's he's already been up there. And now he's standing and getting shot by John Wick, I guess, in a hurry. So, like, I thought it was just funny. Like, he's a, he's a really good stuntman. Man knows his skill set. Like, that's the main thing. No. Rather than be like, yeah, I'm going to chuck this and be act- an actor. No, I'm just going to throw myself off things yeah. and flip in dangerous ways and do it safely. Like, roll down some stairs. Like, that's painful. But how do you learn that? Like, how do you learn being thrown down concrete stairs without hurting yourself? By, uh, learn by listening to the people who did it before you. Whoever the first person that did it, they were the true innovator. Uh, I mean, that's basically what I do every time I get invited to Fourth Valley College. They're like, hey, Colin, how do you do a podcast? And I'll say, well, I am the one who went before you. Yeah, yeah, Listen yeah, to I, me. I will tell you how to be boring. Exactly, exactly. But no, like, stunts is super interesting, and they are underappreciated in general. And people are always talking about it, how there should be, like, a stunt category at the Oscars right. and stuff oh, like for that. Sure. And there should be. They should be more praised. Okay, well, from... Cunning stunts to wow. Hamza Yusuf. Oh. Let's talk he about... He fell off a scooter once and I had a wee rage on Twitter. He did. Let's talk about the fact that I was right. You were. However, I'd like to say that I was like pretty good with my prediction of the second round would be uh, Risky Biskies. <laughs> Biscuits. Yeah, Risky Biscuits. Okay, Hamza Youssef is the new leader of the Scottish National Party and Scotland's First Minister. So yeah, Immediately I was getting called Scotland's First Minister, but I would like to say that is incorrect. Correct, yes, you're right. Was not First Minister until it was voted on by all of our representatives. Indeed, so Which after <laughs> many <laughs> weeks, it did happen the following day, but yes, after many weeks of yes. <laughs> uh, bitter leadership contest debates exposing deep divisions within the party, says this article, a mm. uh, 37-year-old Mr. Yusuf defeated his rivals Kate Forbes and Ash Regan. As you say, Risky Biskies, James, he only won uh, 52% percent to 48 percent the magic number because the magic number he failed to win indeed failed to win the majority in the first round but then after miss regan was eliminated he got enough second preference votes to see him over the line and out of the seventy-two thousand members who voted uh sorry seventy-two thousand members in the smp right fifty thousand voted oh man the vast majority of them online. That's way smaller than I thought it was. Uh, why didn't everyone vote? Come on, man. Come well, on, guys. Maybe none of them were inspired by any of the candidates, you know? I probably wouldn't have That's voted. That's true. I think it looked like about 11% voted for Ash Regan. Yeah, she got more, Which, she got more than yeah. we expected. We were thinking nine. Well, close enough. Close enough. But anyway, that's uh, what happened. Hamza Youssef is now the first Muslim to lead a major UK party. Yeah. Uh, he is also the first... 
ethnic minority leader of devolved government. Yeah. He is also the youngest first minister yeah. in history. I know that's only been like 25 years, but still. Mm-hmm. And though he was the clear favourite among the, the bookies, this to me, James, was the result that opposition parties wanted because Humza's track record, as Kate Forbes was highlighting during these uh, debates in the run-up to the Constantly, vote, yeah. his track record is very, very poor. And as a politician, as a communicator, he is also less good than Kate was and is as a speaker and as a politician. So to I will, me... I, I will say that in the hustings, he was way better than she was. She was like a cardboard box. He, no, but he doesn't answer questions directly. He just ignores them. In the hustings, he was answering yeah. pretty good. I think he was actually... I think he did a little bit of media training and he was better than he used to be. And then she was just a little cardboard box. I don't know what happened to her because she was speaking well at media. And then whenever right. it came to like the SMP hosted stuff, it Fair was just... Underwhelming. Okay, uh, in the wake of all this as well, he's announced his cabinet. Yes. Kate Forbes, who was the finance minister, was offered Minister for Rural Affairs. I mean, which related to her constituency. Right, but it's a massive demotion. She did say she wouldn't and offer so, Hamza a job if she got the, uh, that, the position. Well, yeah, it would be a bit ironic and um, daft after she slagged him off so severely to be like, oh, yeah, I know I said all those horrible mean things, but here's a job. So, look, he offered her a post. It was a pretty significant step down. She said no. I mean, how much of Scotland is rural? He has gone for, I don't know, but instead he's gone for the majority. almost an entirely new face of cabinet members. Shona Robeson is now the deputy first minister. She's been a... Speaking of failing up. yeah, <laughs> She's been an MSP <laughs> since I'm pretty devolution. Sure, I think she was the health... Uh, minister, she was. He was failing so bad that Hamza got called in to be the health minister, and then he failed. So yeah, they they are both rolling up the hill by falling. It's been described as a, a cabinet of lackeys by the likes of the Tories. I mean, and look at we the also Tories, now have a, yeah. a minister for independence. Indeed, Kevin Stewart. I'm sure that will be great. Indeed. So James, first of all, initial reaction to Hamza, as predicted by the show, as called by the show, half of the show, half the show. What do you make of it? What's your initial I mean, thoughts on his appointment? Overall, it's the same. It's it's no matter who won, they were not going to last long, in my opinion, and that hasn't changed. Interesting. I, I don't think they're going to last long. I think, I think, I still think SNP will do well come election time, um, but I feel like there's just not enough to do right now for any first minister to kind of. What do you mean? Independence isn't going anywhere right now. Correct. We're just, we're just through a pandemic and most of our world is controlled by a very poor recovery from England. And we, we do not have enough powers to undo uh-huh. the damage that more austerity from Westminster is going to do to us, no matter how hard we try. Fair enough. So I, I, th- I feel like our future is just set, pretty concrete. And first ministers are going to have to try it, whoever it is. And in this case, it's Hamza. is going to have to try really hard mm-hmm. just to come up with any reason to be successful. Okay. And I think with the limited powers of the devolved government, it's not going to be enough to overcome the downturns in people's like well-being. They're just their general how much money they have and all of those things that are way outside of the control of a devolved government. So I I, I don't see the future as bright for First Minister. Um, sure. I, I, I do think that now that Hamza has to take things more seriously, uh, he will be able to 
you know, go through the right media training to talk better. Do you know? And to communicate better. Fun fact, Hamza Yusuf came to Pink Elephant in 2013 right. for media training. Oh, that's cool. Maybe you need yeah. to call him back and be like, hey, you need more. For sure. Yeah, he absolutely does. Hamza, if you're listening, come back. You need a bit more. But we're going to charge you lots of money. Yeah, I think the biggest issue for me is uh, the, the, the cabinet is not inspiring as well. Like, yeah. Not at all. Young, younger than usual. That's great. I do like when we see a new generation coming in and having a fresh take on things. It's the first majority of women cabinet, which is very good, you know? Yep. Um, I don't see any reason to be suspicious about that, like some newspapers seem to be. I hope they can all prove themselves they, as sorry, a fool. What are they suspicious about? Like, oh, there's too many women. Oh, well, it's all it's all women. That's just for the woke points. They're going to do all the womanly things. We don't No, it's that. just for the woke points, Colin. They didn't earn their place. They're just doing it for the woke points. Oh, it's just free sorry. positions for the women. Massive tangent. Amanda Holden this week, I don't know if you saw this, uh, after Apollo Grady died, RIP. Oh, yeah. It was uh, f- one of his f- most famous things in his career was his drag queen, Lily Savage, who was yeah. a vehement a proponent of getting rid of HIV stigma. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Anti-gay bills, a huge proponent of the LGBTQ plus movement. And Amanda Holden this week described him as like, oh, he wasn't, he was the total opposite of woke. Yeah, yeah. I think Dominic <laughs> Rapp tried to do the same thing. Actually, I don't, even, I don't even know where to start with that. In the comments, Dominic Rapp did the same thing. One, didn't get the name right. Oh, did he, he really? I think he said Paul... I don't remember. Polo Gurdy. No, I can't remember what it was. He said a completely different name, not even an O. Um, began with a G. Oh. Um, and and said he wouldn't stand up for like this woke woke comedian, whatever stuff, you know, wow. tame jokes and whatnot, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like you're using somebody's death to score points to try and bring them into the anti woke camp yep. group immediately. Unintended. It's the same thing as a bunch of uh, trans exclusive radical feminists did to Terry Pratchett. They tried to claim him one of theirs. as somebody who'd be mm. anti-trans. Anyway, yeah. sorry. SMP. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know. Yeah, SMP. Anyway, <laughs> um, SMP largely don't do very well. They just do slightly less poorly than the Tories. Well, so they look kind of good. They, no, they, so I don't think this cabinet is going to be any different. On that point, I am with you in that I believe that, I mean, Poison Chalice is too far, but you're right. Scotland is totally hamstrung with its independence movement because it's so splintered at the grassroots level with some people who are clearly unaware of the legality of their idea of, oh, Scotland should just declare itself independent and just be done with it. Yeah. And you realise, yeah. well, you, no, you can't. You you literally have to go through this the proper way. And then the other people who would say within the independence movement who think, well, you know, we, we, we just need to wait. We need to wait until yeah, we're, we're yeah, free we, of the pandemic entirely and we're free of the cost of living crisis. Which is never. Ukraine. And never. Right? So so it's so splintered. That's just two of the, the initial issues. Let alone the fact that the amount of people I saw on social media who were relieved that Hamza won rather than Kate winning because polls found that Kate was more popular with the public, but obviously Hamza was much, sorry, not even much more, was more popular within the SNP. So there's so many divisions within the party that for them to actually achieve really anything up until the next election, which, by the way, in the, the, the Holyrood election the next one is scheduled for 2026. Yeah, there's time. I still reckon the SNP would win that, but not by 
anywhere near as much as their previous big wins because their party is so fractured right now. There's no clear path to independence. And frankly, I don't think the general public are really in the mood for it. Whereas in 2014, first time ever, fine. There was more of an appetite for it. I don't think that appetite is there anymore. And secondly, as you pointed out rightly, James, the amount of things that Holyrood's hands are tied with because of what's happening down south, it means that in terms of like day-to-day huge changes that Scotland can begin uh, you know, forging its own path in the world ain't going to happen. So for me, Hamza is a transitional yeah. first minister. He's not the kind of I think guy any of them would have been. who's going to do... Yeah, for sure. So in, in that way, perhaps Kate and Ash are relieved that they didn't win. I mean, Ash, yeah. as we've talked about, just getting the name out there. But for Hamza... I think, yeah, they're, they're building up their, their attempt for next time. Is he time. going to replicate Nicola Sturgeon's eight-year stint? Absolutely not. No. I can, I'll put my house on that. I think, I think he'll be passable. Like, I, I really don't think you can fail... Um, He'll be fine enough, like as the SNP, to not just like do a decent job because the Conservatives are just that much worse. Um, but there is a lot that needs to be done in Scotland, and there is a lot within the power of the government, and they just don't really do it, and they focus more on smaller things, or they or they uh, focus more on just constantly trying to talk about the independence debate instead of highlighting the things that they do. Which the SNP have done a lot of good things, and I wouldn't even be able to remember most of them because they just don't talk about them enough right um but also but also do you think that because to me it's a it's a lose-lose situation if hamza yusuf says okay everybody i have listened to the people of scotland now is not the time to push forward for independence let's just put a pause in it for now and let's talk about the day job because obviously the whole purpose of the SNP is to achieve an independent Scotland. So he's going to upset... Yeah, they have to keep going Right, he's going to upset those people. So to me, appointing a minister for independence is... I mean, it's silly, but I can see why you would do it. Well, I don't even think it's silly because it depends on how how much that minister wants to do in terms of output. Because if their job is just to convince the people that it's a good thing to do, that's messaging. Messaging is huge. It's one of the things the SNP, as I just said, completely fails on. They don't do the right messaging. They don't focus on their wins. They don't ever, like, publicize themselves properly. They just always spoke about Tories bad. That's what I can think of. They did the baby box. Yeah, that's one thing. They also did free prescriptions, free tuition, you know? Yep. They they have better healthcare results than the entirety of the rest of the UK, even though the healthcare is bad. We're taxed higher? They, yeah, they've got more progressive tax. So the SNP have lots of small wins that they never talk about. Yep. So if they can switch from uh, messaging of just like Tories bad, SNP different, to SNP do good, sure. Okay. They need to also be doing a lot of things that are good. I would also like to say that just because Forbes was more popular with people doesn't mean she was the right pick. And I think okay. this idea that the other parties are happier with use, with with uh, with Hamza is is wrong. Why? Um they well not it's the wrong focus because maybe they they are but it's because he's an actual going to be in opposition. What does Forbes have as an opinion that is different from the Labour or even Tories as far as Well, it's, it's money not goes. so much about the opinions. It's more about the fact that standing up to Kate, because she's a good speaker and in the comments, is, in the comments, and Holyrood has demonstrated that she can hold her own, whereas Hamza and his track record are so easy to attack and he is less formidable than she is. That's why, to me, and I heard some Conservative figures say this, they would have preferred that Hamza won because he's easier, he's easy pickings, I guess. Yeah, they would, they would, yeah, but imagine, like, so imagine if Forbes wins, right? We get Tim Farron 
2.0. Okay. No matter how good her responses are, they can just keep pointing out the inconsistency of her saying certain things about the people she represents and then saying, but I, I don't want to do anything in the law base of that except the times where I might have done that. It, it, it didn't work. Farron was a very popular person within his party. Sure. Uh, he, he won to be the, the leader and then his career was over after a few months because it was just constant pickings. Okay. Easy target for the Tories and the media to point out the inconsistency between what he was willing to say about his faith and politics. And his opinion was that his are separate. Right. Whereas Forbes' opinion was that they're kind of tied together a little bit. Sometimes it's not worth legalizing certain things okay. because of your faith, you know? Easy to pick her apart. It wouldn't even matter if it's relevant because we know that in the public debates, the questions that are asked are never relevant and the answer to those questions are never relevant. So they would just keep on bringing these things up, pointing out how can you be in charge of a political party that is claiming to be progressive and then have all of these non-progressive views. I do do want to talk about, sorry, just before you, you continue, I do want to talk about briefly the other... Uh, thing which happened in the SNP just before the first minister was announced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go straight for That it. was the chief executive resigning. Now, for those of you who are unaware, Peter Murrell uh-huh. has been chief executive since 2000, or he was chief executive since the year 2000, and he was the husband of Nicola Sturgeon, the first minister. So, the first minister of the country and the chief executive of her party were together. Yes. And he then announced that he was quitting with immediate effect after there was a big row over party membership figures. Now, I mentioned just a few minutes ago, 72,000 SNP members and only 50,000 voted. There was a story in the Daily Mail and in some of the Scottish press a few months ago, which alleged that numbers within the SNP's membership had fallen by 30,000 from 100 to around about 70. And at the time, this is the story as I understand it, Peter Murrell told Murray Foote, who was the then head of communications within the SNP, that the story was totally false, that it was an absolute lie. Yeah. And it turned out... It kind of wasn't Actually, a lie. it was true, yeah. and the chief executive was lying. So Murray Foote, who was the head of comms, he resigned first, saying he'd been given false information to feed to the media yep. by colleagues at Party HQ. That's a quote. Yes. And then as pressure grew on Peter Merle to apologise, he then had been told to resign by the end of the day or face a vote of no confidence from the party's National Executive Committee. So within the space of 24 hours, both the SNP's head of comms and its CEO had resigned. So that clearly is another sign that not all is well within the party and that ain't going to be fixed just because Humza's now in charge. Exactly. Yeah, people, they got to be cognizant of the fact that the SNP are a political party and all political parties like to try and control the narrative to make them look good. Losing a bunch of members doesn't look good. They just lied. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not a good idea to just lie, you know? I think their lies were like a little bit flexible where they were trying to say like, no, the idea that we've lost 30,000 votes because of whatever recent decision they'd made is a lie. It's like, all right, so you're not saying it's because of the like the trans bill and it's not because of like the loss of independence and it's not whatever, whatever. Mm. But there was a 30k loss and they had to just be like, no, there is one. It's just not tied to whatever the, the media is saying it's tied to. Uh, but no, like, like they've they've still got a bigger share of the population than any other party compared to population. I believe if you look if you look at uh, the pe- the number of people who are members of the SNP and then population of Scotland compared to the number of people who are members of the Conservative Party and the population of you know the rest of the UK, Conservatives look pretty small in comparison. So it's a decent number. It represents the people. We only poll a thousand, you know. 
70k. Yeah. It's a pretty decent polling. I, I do want to talk finally about Nicola Sturgeon and her legacy. What does she uh, leave? What mark does she leave uh, in Scotland? As you think about that, I want to share my tuppence worth, which ultimately is she was and is a a good, and I'm using my air quotes here, politician. She's uh-huh. a very good yeah. politician. Good, politician yeah. good speaker. And she saw off dozens of opposition leaders from the other parties while she was this steady force. That being said, I, in terms of what she did whilst in charge, as you've mentioned or alluded to, I can't really think of much outside of the yeah baby boxes and, and some free stuff because the rest of her time has, number one, been marred by a lack of independence, but also the educational attainment gap, which is trying to help the poorest in society, the poorest kids in society, get better grades so they're closer to the ones who achieve the most. Yeah. That gap is basically where it was when she took over. And that was something she said, oh, judge me on that. And so we are. And you failed. Yep. And then there's also the fact that the ratio of drugs deaths in this country, again, stubbornly high. It dwarfs anywhere else in Europe. So Scotland is still the top of that tally. Deaths by alcoholism as well. And I'm sure, look, there are other factors that go into this. But ultimately, she was the one in charge of the country for almost a decade. And those, as well as things like ferries, other scandals with the party, Alex Sam and all that furore. That is what I believe she'll be remembered for rather than, oh, yeah, she was a, she did that great thing and she did the other great thing because I would really struggle to tell you what those were. I mean, free tuition is the biggest one for me. Right, but, but that's, in terms that was of like, something which was enacted before she came to power. I got free tuition in 2009. True, true, true. But we're talking, uh, yeah, yeah. So so since she came to power, uh, there, there was, I can't remember who published it. It was probably the SNP themselves, but they did, did last, in the last month, try to publish Nicola's biggest achievements, right, you know, or whatever. And there were some good ones there, and you've listed some of them. And the fact that they weren't just talking about those a lot is crazy to me. Like, and they just somehow didn't message that to people of Scotland. And we saw the same lack of communication surrounding the gender reform bill, because what the bill did was pretty small, and then what the media was saying the bill did was very different and the media and the other opposition parties convinced the entire population of what the bill did. And the SNP completely lost control over something that was in their manifesto and over the delivery of that. And I think that's a thing that has been on loop where they just haven't been able to communicate effectively, which is okay. probably why when COVID hit, they they went all in on the comms for a change sure. um, and really tried to control it. To a little bit more of a troubling degree, because they were just trying to be very fast instead of like very good. Um, so hopefully that's a thing that the SNP can fix. But yeah, I don't. I think that like Nicola's legacy, it's still up for being completely ruined. You know, she did lead the lead the country. Uh, she got huge amounts of the vote. A very popular person, good speaker, re- globally recognized as effective. Blah 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 blah. Um, however. You know, she's quitting now while there is still an investigation into more than half a million in funds to yeah. the SNP. She's quitting while there was a big a breach of trust regarding party numbers. She's quitting while the ferry investigation is still ongoing and is looking like it's coming out more and more like the SNP are the main failure and are need to be held accountable. So if those things all stack up against her, her legacy is a little bit tarnished, you know, regardless of how many good things she 
she did. And I do think that the main good, again, I think that most of the good things that she advertised herself as doing and the SNP advertised themselves as doing was just like, hey, the Tories have tried to do this and we stopped them in Scotland. And that's not inspiring, you know? You know, all these Tories try to do a bedroom tax. We stopped them. The Tories are trying to cut GP numbers. We stopped them. They just do, you got to do more than just stop the bad things. And they did the good things. They just didn't, clearly didn't talk about them. Yeah. Okay. Anything else to add before we move on? So when you so when you talk to Hamza, when Hamza comes to Pink Elephant and you're doing media <laughs> training, please tell him, advertise the good things you do. Um, okay. And also, when people make fun of you on Twitter, just send a laughing emoji back at them. I will pass that on to Hamza. Right, let's yeah. jump over to the other side of the pond before we revisit what's been happening down south because this story is still breaking, still details coming out. Donald Trump is or has been indicted in New York yes. over a hush money payment made to the adult film star Stormy Daniels during the 2016 election, which is, essentially in layman's terms, he is going to be fingerprinted, photographed, and processed for arrest on Tuesday. So yeah. former President Donald Trump is going to be arrested yeah. for sending money to a porn star. He That's essentially claim, the headline. Yeah, he did claim last week that he was going to get arrested. And he did. Got all yep. of his fans to send him money, and they did. Um, yep. He was. He just jumped the gun a bit. And he, he wanted them to protest. Yeah, he wants them to protest and protect him because when it's protesters around Trump, then it's okay. But protest anywhere at any other time, it is evil. Um, but yeah, um, the, so the headline is he paid money getting arrested. The the nitty gritty is that he used probably campaign funds. Um, and did money laundering and all of these little things to send a bunch of small checks. So his indictment's got like something, some crazy number of counts on it. And it's all because he, uh, they were doing weird finance things to try and hide the payments and stuff and just breaching the law with each one of those weird things. Okay, so to give you further detail then, because this was also news to me, apparently Trump is leading most polls for the Republican presidential nomination <laughs> in 2024, which is I think mad. he's promised flying cars recently. Uh, he's, he's really trying to sell. He, of course, is going to be the first US president to ever be criminally indicted, and he still has a bunch of other potential indictments underway, mainly for, well, and related to his taxes and finances and property. But essentially, yeah, yeah, he's going to turn up on Tuesday, he'll do the perp walk, and he will turn up in court, described by his legal team uh, just now as angry and upset, but not worried. Yeah. So that's what's... That That's the current picture. Of course, the Republican Party have come after the uh, the... I want to say the DOJ, the in fact, no, it's the district attorney Alvin Bragg, who has yeah, been this is state, this is state level, who's been chasing Trump for this particular indictment for quite some time, and is a registered Democrat. So of course, that's going to make it really easy to turn this into a political hit job. Yes, and that's what they've been going after, which is ah, oh, this is just a witch hunt, fraud at the highest level. It's election interference. That's what it is. Yeah, all they're just trying to bring down their opposition. Okay. With- like shady means. So what's your take on all of this then? Because, the, yeah, this is going to happen on Tuesday by the looks of things. Yeah, I mean, it's not like the most compelling thing to be getting Trump on. But I think the I, good good on them for trying. I think regardless of what it is, if Trump is breaking laws, you got to go for it. Um, I, I do think that when it comes to something like this, they've got to really have the paper trail proving that Trump was doing things. So they got to be proving things beyond reasonable doubt, um, which is maybe a little bit hard to do if, if well, I'm assuming there was a, le- a level of uh, intelligence in the fraud 
and they didn't actually make Trump do the fraud and he, he can just try and blame his lackeys or whatever. Um, so there's, there's, a, there's a chance that it is a weak case. I, I obviously don't know enough to know how strong it is. But when you think about the American system and you got to prove things beyond reasonable doubt, um, I, I think they got an uphill battle as far as proving it goes. And I'd have more hope in other trials and other cases that are maybe taking longer to come together. But my goodness, I think regardless, even with this one, he is dead before this one's this one's over. <laughs> they they're gonna draw this stuff out forever. They because it's just the way lawyers can do things. They can draw cases out for decades at times. You know. Okay. So he's he's gonna die before this is done. Right. So in a in a statement on uh, Truth Social, Trump amounted this yes, to truth. political persecution, saying, I believe this witch hunt will backfire massively on Joe Biden. Our movement, our party, united and strong, will first defeat Alvin Bragg, and then we will defeat Joe Biden. And mm-hmm. uh, Democrats have responded to all this, saying that if Trump broke the law, he should face charges like any other American. Yeah, I have seen a few conservative commentators say things like, I hope you, I hope you realize that now we've proven that you can indict former presidents. It's like, well, yep, that sounds smart. Sounds like a good thing if you have former presidents also having to abide by the law. Right. Congrats. Do you think that this, though, will ultimately mean that Donald Trump is more popular? Off yeah, the back of it, because yeah, that's that's yeah. my idea. Yeah. main concern is that actually this just propels him to the nomination again. Uh, yeah, he, he and his team know how to spin. You know, that's why he won, and that's why he's popular still. It's because they spin everything regardless of how bad it is. So this will make him more popular within his base, and his base is apparently still outnumbering anyone else's, which is which is like worrying, worrying, but also after everything. And even seeing someone like, as we talked about before, Ron DeSantis, who I thought was popular, but evidently not half as popular as Mr. Trump. I mean, he might, he, he might, he's still got a chance. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, it's cause it's it's the echo chamber thing again, and we're repeating ourselves again. Trump's base isn't engaging with any news that they don't like. True, they only are hearing the things that they they like, and if they hear something they don't like, it is false. So there isn't a win. You don't win those minds over with like other news sources or are like trying to counter the, the 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 their media with like more truthful and correct media. Those battles are an individual level. You've got to remove somebody from their attachments to the group, which is so hard to do. Okay, and that's why isn't that's why it just doesn't happen. Trump has to completely embarrass himself, and I thought he had several <laughs> you, times. He has, but again, numerous times. Not apparently not enough to break through to the to the people in the in the group. Again, I I do look forward with like kind of weird anticipation to see what happens when they do actually have to choose their. A presidential nominee because I'm sure there will be a lot of people who feel conflicted as in they don't want to choose Trump but they feel like they have to because everyone else does yeah because he's more likely to win I mean yeah and a two-party state blah 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 but okay I don't know it's kind of Trump is is kind of like one of those televangelists Trump is a bit like like Elon or or the anyone else who's kind of like a culty figurehead like a Jordan Peterson type who's whose fan base are just loyal and Regardless of can't be convinced otherwise, sure. Even if they're directly getting scammed, because you think about televangelists who are like promising future wealth if you just keep giving them all your money. Yep. people die still doing that. Yeah, never receiving what was promised, and they die still doing it. It's true. That is a system that is so hard to break, 
and it's been popular since like i guess it, forever but it especially has been popular since like world war ii where there was a bunch of vulnerable people yeah. who just experienced a childhood of trauma who then were easier to take advantage of um and I, 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 since it's been going on for like more than a half a century, almost a century now, obviously it's not easy to break. So Trump is just another one of those. And, and, and people haven't realized or haven't figured out how to break apart those systems in a healthy way. Okay, well, talking of taking advantage, let's finish this segment by taking ourselves back to Westminster because Boris Johnson has been in the news. And talking of someone whose uh, fan base have either decided to stick or twist. I think it's the latter. You think? With Mr. Johnson. So this is after the former Prime Minister appeared in front of a committee investigating the Partygate scandal. Yeah. And he now faces being formally reprimanded for recklessly misleading Parliament with MPs denouncing his flimsy explanations and suggesting he had wrongly interpreted his own COVID guidance. So... This was a three and a half hour evidence session in which he repeatedly claimed that the number 10 parties with alcohol and no social social distancing were necessary for work purposes. Right. And even conservatives, people within his own party attacked him. This is a cross party committee, by the way. Yeah. Uh, about his interpretation of the guidance. For example, Bernard Jenkin, who told him, the guidance does not say you can have a thank you party with as many people in the room as you like. Yep. But Boris was just, he was aghast at all this. He was shaking oh. his head and oh, he was no. saying, oh, no, 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 not at all. And it meant that after three and a half hours, he just looked, as he has throughout his entire career, totally incompetent and convincing himself that the lie was the truth. But this time, yeah. I believe that people have had enough because halfway through the committee hearing... There was a vote on Rishi Sunak's new Brexit rules, which oh. are a Brexit deal. Mm -hmm. If you recall, this was a few weeks ago, uh, Rishi decided to go back to the deal that Boris made and make some pretty drastic changes. Right. In the vote, 345 Conservative MPs voted for it, 22 voted against it, one of which was Boris. Right. But that was it. There were only 21 other rebels. And that, to me, James, mm -hmm. was the biggest sign that Boris's supporters and his diehards are thin in number. They are yeah. abandoning ship and they are happy to move on, for the time being, to exactly. Rishi. Yeah, or just quit the party, which a lot of them are doing. There's a lot of conservatives that are quitting before the next general election because they know they're going to lose. Um, Fair enough. But no, I, I, I think, uh, I think, I think Boris's play is the long play. Like I, I think he, he hopes to lie and dodge his way through getting in really big trouble that would like bar him from office or whatever. Um, but I, I think I don't think he it tends to be winning right now. Um, he thinks that he, he, if he can stay in the narrative and if he can stay relevant for the next few years once rishi loses an election and embarrasses himself they'll need a new strong uh, a new they'll need a strong figurehead to take over the party and there will, there will be boris right. the savior you know he wants to just be there to step in when needed not right now um so he's just hoping that uh, the committees can do their thing and he won't get in any big trouble I think one of the things, it was really weird because at the same time as this was going on, Ferrier was going under the same, a similar kind of investigation or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, 
and Tories were trying to lighten the punishment because like obviously it was fine that she breached rules and needed to be suspended Tories were trying to say oh no 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 no, don't sure. suspend don't suspend don't lighten the punishment because if she gets punished Boris will also get properly punished and Ferrier got a 30 day suspension which means that if even 10% of her constituency wants to have a by-election there will be a by-election yep and I'm sure yes. that, that will happen. So the Tories tried to make that not happen to Ferrier because they want to make it not happen, or some of the Tories rather, because obviously enough of them did make it happen. Um, they wanted to not happen to Boris because if Boris's punishment is anything near, it's similar, you know, they also 10% by election. Tories not popular right now. Boris loses his seat. So there is still a play to keep Boris active. They might not be passionately... Voting no on major things okay. just to say I'm on Team Boris, but they are trying to keep him in the building. Okay, well, I want to, to move on as well. There's a lot still to talk about. And on that part, you're seeing as we've been talking about the Conservatives, Liz Truss has been in the news as well because hilariously, despite only being the Prime Minister for 49 days, she has put forward four crazy. people is crazy. for resignation honours. This is to make people sirs and dames. Yep. And that's I think insane. Should you not offer some people <laughs> lord seats? I can't remember. Yep, there there may well be a lordship in there too. Absolute insanity. 49 days, and there we go. I think I'd be I'd actually be embarrassed if I was one of those four people who've been put forward. Uh, yeah, I would I would be I would be emb- embarrassed. Um I can't remember what she's what she's doing, but she is definitely taking the full list of things that you're allowed to do after resigning as PM or after being PM and going for it, which you'd think yes. she wouldn't because it feels embarrassing. But at the same time, she's trying to follow the, the Trump line of thinking where just do everything you possibly can to get a headline and try and spin it to make you the winner. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. She had obviously completely failed the 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 biggest failure we've seen in politics, not even in the country, but like globally for ages. <laughs> sure, I don't know. There's probably yeah. other people who failed more, but they, they, I didn't hear about. I them. mean, it's it's certainly up there. Yeah, and then just kind of wants wants the full retirement treatment, wants the full package, all the money, all the all the all the usual regalia or whatever, and it clearly isn't fitting. But there we go. She's done it. Congrats. And talking and yeah, of I'd the... be embarrassed if I was one of them. But I'd be embarrassed getting offered Indeed. to be a knight regardless. I think it's cringe. I think it's very, very cringy. It's very much screams 15th century. Anyway, talking of Rishi Sunak, he's now been accused this week of a conflict of interest because his wife, Akshata Murthy, yeah. has shares wow. in a company which is going to benefit from a new budget policy, I believe. Oh, and did which they declare is... that? Did they declare that? Did they? No. No, they did not. He's oh, wow. uh, defended this in the Commons. He told MPs that uh, the registers of interest, it was declared in the normal way, despite the fact that, yes, his wife's a shareholder in this agency, which will directly benefit from these new policies. Uh, she has a financial interest in Kuru Kids, which looks like it's going to receive quite a lot of money from the UK government. How about that? Tories be Tories. Straight up corruption. I mean, it's just, and, and this is small compared to the other things that they've done for the last several years. Like, yeah, this absolutely. should be big. It just, it just feels like, oh, they're just, they're just doing it, but smaller now. Wow, that's cute. And, but, and it's also the fact that I didn't even see that story until you sent it to me. All right, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just another instance of Tories kind of like scamming their way around all the rules and hoping to just get away with it. And 
uh, I'm sure it will lead to nothing at all. Um, and Rishi's going to say, hey, no, everything was proper. And everyone's going to go, oh, yeah, I guess it was proper. One final story, but I do want to, I've just had a news flash from BBC oh. saying Donald Trump will not be handcuffed on Tuesday. Oh. Uh, that is set to happen. The hearing set to happen at quarter past six UK time. I wonder if that was his call or DA, because I feel like, I feel like he would have wanted to be handcuffed for like headline reasons. And there's been clarity over why this is happening the payment of $130,000 made to Stormy Daniels uh, to cover up this affair. Apparently, the payment was legal, but Trump recording it as a business expense <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. is illegal. And falsifying your business <laughs> records in New York, yeah, that's a that's a crime. So that's what's happening. you gotta, you got to dodge those taxes somehow. <laughs> Absolutely. I nearly claimed my dentist on my self-expenses. Ex- wow, self I think you get away with that uh, one. This year. But then I realized, no, I, I do actually have teeth that do need to be maintained, not just for my job. Yeah, so, the yeah. teeth, anyway. you, use them, you use them all the time. I do. Anyway, this is the final story. Jeremy Corbyn is going to run as an independent. Now, this was actually a story we we didn't talk about when it happened about six weeks ago. Sir Keir Starmer. It's happening all the time. Right, but this is again. Keir Keir keeps rejecting Jeremy every other week. (laughs) I didn't see this. So this was from the middle of February. Sir Keir Starmer confirmed that Jeremy Corbyn would not be a Labour candidate at the next yes. general election. So he was suspended from being a, a Labour MP. Uh, he's currently sitting as an independent because the whip was of removed. the row over anti-Semitism. And of course, the former leader had hoped to be readmitted so he could stand for Labour in the next election. But Sir Keir, in a statement, said the party had changed and we are not going back. Yeah, they changed. Adding mm-hmm. that if others did not back Sir Keir, then they could leave. And so, yeah, that's what's happening. You know, that's a bit purgy. That's a little purgy. (laughs) You know, that thing that Corbyn was accused Mm. of doing all the time. It feels a little bit like a little bit of a purge. You may, if you don't like me, you may leave. Kind of. Yeah. So Corbyn. I don't know. That sounds like exactly what they were accusing Jeremy of doing. Yeah. So Corbyn has confirmed he is not going anywhere and he's going to run as an independent. What's your thoughts on this, James? Yeah. It does seem a little unfair. Win. But Corbyn has come to... Uh, he's at the point now where... I mean... Almost like Trump and the Republican Party, there has to be a consensus opinion. And the current consensus opinion in this particular scenario is that Corbyn needs to go, even if particularly internally in the Labour Party, people may feel differently i mean personally yeah like, like they know that corbyn is just free headlines for the opposition so trying to keep him out i think they are keeping him out a bit in a a bit a bit of a scammy way i don't think it's too legitimate um but they they also they, like i think his run as an independent could be very successful he's he's been well, representing the constituency for ages they know him very well okay um he he has he does he does a good job in the community so i think he could just win as an independent. It happens. People less less well known than Corbyn win as independents and in constituencies. Just it's few, but it happens. Um, I do think that the rebranding of Labour is not good. We need a true left leaning. So I'm gonna exaggerate. I was gonna. I, I was. I was me trying to be centrist about it. We need a true leftist party in opposition. Sure. We don't need what Labour is right now, which yep. is kind of. Just Tory, but fence sitting in, in in different suits, I guess, and not saying very much. As, as well, as we talked about, Sir Keir Starmer completely unwilling to 
back the the the, the workers or the strikers yeah. or the unions at all. Labour Party not wanting to back. Well, yeah, what what now yeah, happening? The Labour movement. Um, so we we don't have the Labour Party that we deserve to have, and under Keir, we're just getting a. It's basically like the 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 new Labour, but boring. Um, so so Tony Blair's Labour, but they haven't done any war crimes yet. So that was a spicy part. So they're just the boring the boring side of that. Um, and and the, and the and of course, if you're trying to rebrand as like the people the people's friendly Labour, um, party, uh, then someone like Corbyn, you can't have them in there. And anyone who follows Corbyn's line of thinking, which is basically just like, hey, you know, socialism isn't so bad, let's try and do it, is also unwelcome. But if you look at who is welcome in Labour, it's troubling because they've just appointed, I can't remember what position to, but they've just appointed somebody who is in the private health industry to their circle. You know, Corbyn out, but private healthcare in. That's what we're getting. And it's not good. And if that's the opposition we have, if the opposition to the to the Tories trying to dismantle the NHS is just like, oh no, let us do it. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about some of the other stories making headlines. We're going to keep it brief because time is moving on. There's been a report into police strip searches in England and Wales from 2018 to 2022, which has made for some in the quotes here, the quotes here, some deeply concerning Mm. reading Mm. demonstrating widespread failures, which found that some children had been strip searched in the back of police vans and fast food outlets in schools. Almost 3,000 children were strip-searched from 2018 to 2022. And here's the the real kicker. Black children were up to six times more likely to be searched than Mm -hmm. the overall child population. Okay. And more than half of the searches took place without an appropriate adult present. What? Which is a legal requirement. What? How about that? The data also shows that 51% of the searches led to no further action. So this whole report was requested by, uh, let's see, is it the National Police Chiefs Council? No, in fact, no, it's a lie. It's the Children's Commissioner, Dame Rachel D'Souza. She commissioned it in the wake of the Child Q scandal, which you may remember, March 2022. This was a 15-year-old girl who was strip-searched at her school while she was on her period and without an adult present. That's why this report happened. And of course, it's come back deeply concerning. Incredibly. Uh, She's now asked, Dame Rachel has now asked every uh, force to come up with this data. And here is what we've got. So 39 of the 43 forces across England and Wales responded. Bad. It's It's bad. It's bad. But are we surprised, James? No. Wow. Oh, what? The police in the UK? Not so good. Wow. (laughs) Shocker. They strip searched an eight-year-old. Like, when is that ever even going to be important? Like, it's, yeah, it's, uh, if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. I don't know. I feel like it's, it's never a surprise that the police just wield their power to an unacceptable degree and a degree without their correct oversight. And it's just another example of this happening. And it's always going to target the poor. It's always going to target minorities because of inherent biases in the force. And until we get rid of those biases, and until we fix society, 
is going to keep happening and it's never going to be surprising and it's always just going to be heartbreaking. Did we talk about the report of the into the Met Police? I can't remember if we did. I don't even, I think we talked about the Met Police so many times recently, I don't remember what we covered and what we didn't. Okay. Well, this was the story that one in five Met Police officers said they'd been homophobically abused by their own colleagues. And yeah. this report also found that a Sikh police officer within the Met had his beard cut mm-hmm. by a colleague, a Muslim... Like, actually just, like, abuse. A Muslim officer uh, found bacon in his shoes. Honestly. And things like sex toys were left in people's coffee mugs. And these are the people in charge of protecting and keeping us all safe. Yeah. Reassuring. It's like we need higher standards of entry to the police or something because, you know, maybe the standards of entry are too low and they allow people who just want to be wielding power to be wielding power instead of, like, good people to be doing things that are important. Okay, let's continue. Let's talk about something that's happened in states in the last few days. There has, of course, been another mass shooting, this time in Nashville. Now, school shooting. Uh, sorry, yes, yeah, not just another mass shooting, another school shooting. So this was an attack by a former student yeah. on Monday, 28-year-old, who bought seven guns legally, went to the school, shot dead three children who were all age nine, and three employees who were all in their 60s. Uh, police said they didn't believe any of the victims were specifically targeted. And of course, this has started up the whole new debates on gun violence, but also the fact that the attacker, the uh, the shooter, yeah. appears to be trans. And that, of course, yes. got a lot of other headlines with people saying, well, clearly, this is why um, people with trans, people who are trans are mentally unwell. <laughs> people with trans. People with the trans. People with, the, with trans, yes. The right end of the media spectrum and politics immediately jumped on it to be like, and this is why we shouldn't indulge trans people in being trans. Yeah. And that's disgusting. This is a situation with just a bunch of people who are victims, victims of the same violence that you've been seeing in the States for decades. Mm -hmm. And for you to imply that all of that violence only indicates that maybe trans people need to have limited access to whatever and need to be controlled more is disingenuous and horrible. And it is exactly what we expect from the parties. Yeah, just just to add a small point here. So over the last five years, there have been, and brace yourself for this, right. nearly 3,000 mm-hmm. mass shootings in the States. This is where four or more people have been killed. So mm-hmm. 3,000, nearly 3,000 mass shootings in the last five years. Okay. Three of the shooters have been trans. So that is oh. basically 0.01%. And how much of the population percent, If my is maths are correct, right? Trans? Okay, guns are now, as we talked about recently, guns are now the number one killer of children in the States between the ages of, uh, well, from birth hor- to 18. Yeah. I, like, that statistic is melting my brain. It's it's, it's horrible. It's a terrible, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's overtaken um, car crashes in the States as your most most likely Yeah, which chance also, of death. car crashes, speaking of things that need regulation, SUVs are the reason that car crashes are so high. Yeah. They kill kids because they're, they're so tall, they just smash a child's skull when you crash into them. So, guns now, number one killer of children, sorry, between the ages of 1 to 18. And as you've highlighted there, James, the right have been uh, salivating over the school shooter being trans. Yeah. Even though the main issue, as I mentioned in the intro, is how easily... They access the weapons because that's always, always the case. Oh, the headline that says yeah. shooter bought guns legally. You can predict it almost every single time. That's the issue. But once again, like 
Sorry, I was going to compare it to independence going nowhere. But it is the same thing, isn't it? Oh, right. It's the fact that it's just more regardless of how many kids die, I mean, Sandy Hook was the was the big one for me. When you had five-year-olds, five like 26 of them, if yeah. I remember, it's definitely more than 20, more than 20 five-year-old children shot dead and nothing happened then this is just what we're going to continue to talk about, which is people can obtain guns really easily in the States. They can then use them to go and carry out atrocities. But alas, the amendment must stay because they say so. That's where we're at. Yeah. I mean, the the current administration did try to limit access to certain firearms. There was a bill that was passed. It's assault rifles, though. That's... Like it's not all guns. Yeah, and it's assault rifles, and it's always targeting this or that, and it's never strong enough, and it won't be ever. It's too late to like start legislating. They have to convince the American people that maybe it's more important to have general safety and freedom than it is to have freedom to hold uh, deadly weapons because of like some random misinterpretation of the Constitution. Um, and that's a that's that is a battle that is so long and is never going to be won. And there is such a it's it's the same as we, as we talked about. They're, like people who are pro gun are not going to listen to any gun any news that is not pro gun and go, oh, that's real. Yeah, they're just going to think it's pretend. They're going to look at the stats and twist them to be whatever version of a the story they need. Um, I, I've seen it in response to this where they've tried to imply that other countries have uh, have. Uh, less access to guns but just as much killing because uh, they can t- try and paint the statistics to mean this or that because when you look at the the world you can twist statistics very easily to to group america to be comparable to like the uk because while america might have hundreds of times more deaths other countries have more <laughs> you know um yeah yeah but no i i think obviously when the shooter is trans and targeting a Christian school. There is a different side to the story to sure. what we've come to expect from the headlines and from the news reports. Yep. And I think that is worth reporting on, but it's definitely not worth deciding that trans people are evil and like retweeting takes along the lines of like, yeah, you know, we need to get rid of all the trans people now and make sure that they, don't, they can't harm harm us all. Oh, like and it, it ties into the it, the only things about 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 gun violence is a complete lack of uh, mental health care and a complete lack of gun control. Yeah. That's it. It always is that. That's it. It doesn't. Sure. It's 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 been the universal case every time, and here we are. Absolutely, it's happened again, and it's horrible, and it's going to happen probably another time next month and the month after that and the month after that because it's just on loop and it is heartbreaking okay well trans women have also been in the headlines regarding world athletics in the last week because the body who uh well the governing body of the sports have now banned trans women from competing in the female category so this was lord cole who said that no trans athlete who'd gone through male puberty would be permitted to compete in female world ranking competitions from uh, today, actually, and that a working group's being set up to conduct further research into eligibility eligibility guidelines. There we go. And yeah, said, it's a bit weird to do the do the legislation before, before the research, true, but but sure. Uh, said we're not saying mm-hmm. no forever, and then also have changed the rules for 
uh, differences in sex development. So uh, intersex athletes, of which there are 13 yeah. who are competing at the top level, including Castor Semenya, who most people so, yeah. either recognize the name or, or know who we're talking about. So that's happened in the last week. And yeah, it seemed like from the sporting world, most people were like, okay, yeah, fine. But then, yeah, of course, a lot of pro-trans groups and people who uh, were there for other trans athletes who are yet to get to the top level but certainly want to be there were very disappointed by this and I think the disappointment is valid because you know you want you want bans to be proven that they're necessary which is what we talked about before there are some sports I think rugby is one of them who have done their own study and shown the the inherited biological differences that still matter sure post transition and are still worth saying no you're you're you just have too much of an advantage yep. and that's valid i think if you can make a scientific case to to remove access to a subdivision of this case is women's sports that's okay and some sports have done that in this case we've got athletics saying oh we're going to investigate it but in the meantime you're banned even though no one's winning there's not been trans people taking over the the podiums you know at so all. just on that point, there are currently no active trans athletes at international level. Yeah, so or none. I think the despair that this is the decision makes sense because they're banning nobody, right? Why are they bothering yeah, yeah, to ban true. instead of just continue the investigations, continue the research and make your decisions? Is it because they were put under a lot of pressure by athletes who, who were concerned? Possibly. Seeing what was happening at like collegiate but, level? Possibly, I don't. Nothing's even happened at collegiate level. People like Leah Thomas winning one out of a billion uh, yeah, events. Yeah, that's, that's literally that's what I'm talking about. Literally a swimmer. Yeah, that's it. won one event out of the seven they competed in. You know, is Phelps in, a, a, an alien because he won more than one event? Then you know, <laughs> like it's 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 blown out of proportion in my opinion, and it will be forever because well, not forever. It will be until people are used to the existence of trans people in public spaces, which they clearly aren't. Um, and until that happens, one winner will be blown out of proportion and make huge changes across, apparently, uh, in like other facets of sport. I think it's, it's heartbreaking for trans people who want to compete, even at lower levels, that they're getting banned from the higher level before any of them are even there. That's crazy to me. But again, it's not crazy to ban people who have inherited an unfair advantage if you can prove that they have which i believe right right well, rugby did and i can't remember what else other sports that so did. at the moment it looks like rugby and i know in triathlon they have established in some competitions an open category which would be open to uh, i mean the men's category is already open right so, as it suggests yeah, everybody right. so there are some sports yeah. and as you mentioned with rugby and I've just read essentially the, the summary of that report. It's very clear that if you're a trans woman in rugby, yes, you, you are going to, well, in some cases, injure people. This the skeletal muscular structure, right? That that does not get you can't like make your skeleton different by by going on hormones. So sure. if you have gone through puberty, you've got you have the advantage. Yes. As I talked about when I reviewed the Tavistock podcast, it was frustrating that show because you wanted answers but at the end of the day they were basically like well we just don't have the data right now we yeah. we we, do, we can't look at something and figure out oh that's the right thing to do because we're not able to look at okay people who yeah, transitioned we, at let's say 18 or 21 and what's the differences there or someone who transitioned at 13 we don't have the history yet, yeah so they're unable to give you clear cut answers whereas i appreciate for some sports rugby being a good example they can see clearly right that's just 
unsafe. So we have to draw the line. And as you've highlighted before, when I think FINA, the uh, swimming body, they had looked into it, they'd studied it, they'd done their research and they said, right, that's our decision. Rather than what it seems like with this case with World Athletics, where it's like, okay, we're doing this preemptively and now we're going to look into it. Yeah, we're looking into it later. To me, it's the wrong way of going going about it. Do the research first, come to a conclusion, then make a decision. Yeah. You, you have to prove that there is a universal advantage before you ban universally. Okay. Um, and I do, I think, I think with the, the cases like this where it's just so small, like it's a shame because it affects people's, in, like, their existence, their, their, their perception of themselves. Sure. To just be banned without justification. Okay, briefly. And that's not that's just not nice. Absolutely. Let's move on. International Criminal Court has issued an arrest warrant for... Russian President Vladimir Putin, he says with a big exhale, because frankly, that doesn't really mean anything. So the court has alleged he's responsible (laughs) for war crimes and has focused its claims on the unlawful deportation of children from Ukraine to Russia, which to me, of all the things you were going to charge him with, that's like bottom end of the spectrum. I mean, but if it's the most provable, then sure, go for it. Like, it's about how you can prove it. Right, so so that to me is why they did it, because it says the crimes were committed in Ukraine from the 24th of February yeah. when Russia launched its full-scale invasion, yeah. uh, alleging that Moscow had essentially sent busloads of children yeah, well, they did. over the, <laughs> yeah. the border. Which, yeah, yeah, they did. Moscow, of course, have denied this. We talked about it. Labelled yeah. the warrants as outrageous. But yeah, this is just a, a token gesture, isn't it? It is. And it's a disappointing one in the sense that why isn't Bush getting arrested for war crimes? Why isn't Tony Blair getting arrested for war crimes? Their war crimes because are they're the good guys. historical, on the record, provable, absolutely yep. checked out and complete. Nothing. So... Yeah. Do you think it's a double in disappointment? Our of, that will ever happen? No, no, and that's a double disappointment. <laughs> it's a disappointing token gesture to say, "Hey, you can't travel to our countries anymore, or you'll get arrested," and then also just not doing it to our own war criminals. I like. I want the people in charge of our countries in the West who have been completely complicit in huge amounts of crime worldwide and unjust killing sure. worldwide causing a chain reaction of terrorism worldwide yep. to be held accountable and they never will be and instead we're going like oh Putin you better not come visit the UK or we'll arrest you and send you to the Hague Okay, one final story before we move on. Turkey's parliament has now ratified Finland's application to join NATO which is uh, yeah, lifting the last hurdle Yep. In the way of the Nordic countries, long delayed accession into the military alliance, which meant that uh, yeah, days after Hungary had also endorsed Helsinki's yep. bid to join, Turkey have now done it, which means the entire NATO family is... They have a consensus. They've got... Yeah, uh, which yeah, NATO yeah, runs everybody on consensus. Agreed. Yes. So this was, if, we, if you cast your mind back, we did talk about this, alarmed by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and because they do share... A border with Russia, yeah, which has Finland been you know, crossed Sweden, before. Yes, it has abandoned their decades-long policy of being neutral. Yeah, and decided, okay, we're in an that. alliance now. We need some help. Or a and, treaty. Yeah, full unanimity is required to get new members into the current thirty-member alliance. Yeah. Uh, Turkey and Hungary were the last two standouts. So Sweden yeah. is still waiting. It's um. Yeah, the two of them, Turkey and Hungary, both holding out on giving it the green light, despite expressing their initial support. Uh, lots of other political reasons for that. But yeah, Finland, now in NATO. Yep, and like, NATO, 
it's suspicious. There's a degree of American imperialism with NATO, and obviously, I think Russia is going to see it as uh, another encroachment on their borders that allows America to put nukes near their border or whatever, and all of that's worrying stuff. And, and Russia arrested a Wall Street journalist this week, accused him of espionage. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. I mean, why would you? Why would you be in Russia right now? That's just small brains. <laughs> just dumb. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like as much as like it's great to be suspicious of America and their military-industrial complex and their interest in keeping conflict alive globally at all times, Finland is a free country, free to do what it wants, um, and it's joined voluntarily. You know, so go go for it. You know, and everyone's ratified it. They've got a consensus. Well done. Um, cooperation is important globally. Co- cooperation is important um, in when you've got combined interests. I do want to stress though that America controls the narrative around Russia. Um, Russia's, like, industry and its GDP is tiny compared to America, but America wants us to all view them as, like, some equal threat. Yeah, yeah. Huge and scary. They're not. The nukes is the only thing. Nukes is what puts us all on on the map. Russia has some. Everyone else has some. But this idea that we need to, like battle them economically is it's just a lie and I've, I've 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 listened to some people saying that but not enough okay finishing up with some lighter stories well elon musk back in the news again this time because Twitter is having another shake-up. Uh-huh. This time, All the right. Twitter Blue feature. Oh, so, no. As of April 15th, right. only people who have paid for a blue tick uh-huh. will have their posts recommended to other users oh. and be allowed to vote in polls. Oh, that's nice. That's great. That's exclusionary. Which, yeah. Which means that under this policy, posts from non-paying accounts will not uh-huh. be included. Yeah, we want a town square where everyone can be involved <laughs> if they can afford unnecessary expenses. Yeah, so in the For You stream, if you don't pay for your blue tick, you're never going to get in that stream. So last week, the firm also said it was going to remove the verified status of some legacy accounts, which date from before. Who are not paying anymore. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Date yeah. from before Mr. Musk bought Twitter. So if you weren't paying for the blue tick, you're going to have to now. Wow. And yeah, at the moment, users are paying around about $7 a month for blue tick verification. And Mr. Musk said that was the only realistic way sure, to address no, bot no. swarm. Uh, bot swarms? Uh, yeah. Bot, yeah, bot swarms. swarms. Yeah, swarms. Taking over <laughs> and said it's a hopeless losing battle. So there we go. I That's mean, what's happening. I, know, I mean, it's just a lie. They just want to try and encourage more people to buy it. Not enough people have bought it. They're trying to nope. get more people to buy it. Correct. Take away, take away functionality to make it more likely to, buy, to be bought. Um, and, and I know we've talked about, sorry, the demise of Twitter for quite some time, but funny. this to me, surely that's like the, the, the death knell. I mean, it's an indication that it's just continuing to go downhill. For sure. And it has been going downhill. And Elon is losing money and he's not a genius and he is just an idiot. And it's great to see the idiocy on full display instead of like hidden behind Tesla boardrooms or whatever. Um, he also, when he took over, he said he wanted the platform to be maximally trusted and said it wasn't a way to make money. He's desperately and trying yet, to make it money. Here we are. Policy now feels very different. Yeah. I mean, it's just the biggest thing is just the fact that it is excluding poor people from having a way to speak on the platform effectively. It's giving more of a space to people who are wealthy. So that's not open. 
That's not town square. That's not equality. And Elon pretended to be all about equality and free speech. Speaking of the free speech thing, he also, Twitter currently has in place uh, in the algorithm, like yep. a little boost to a certain small number of people. Did you hear this one? I didn't hear it, but I've seen a lot of blue tech uh, profiles, people who've obviously no, paid for even it. even smaller, even smaller. So blue checks get the boost and an even smaller subset of like 40 or 50 people get a double boost. Mm. Their, their tweets are guaranteed to go into the fast lane. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a broad range of just popular names on the platform who who are being used to try and also Elon, um, popular names and Elon on the platform who are being used to just try and uh, garner conversation. And there were some people implying that it was Elon favoring people in the right wing, and it kind of was. Like Ben Shapiro made the list, which is like he's tiny, he's irrelevant. But like uh, AOC is also on the list. And okay. Some random Elon fanboy account is also on the list. So, you know, it's a broad spectrum of a very small number of people who are just getting double boosted for free. So it's not exactly an equal platform. Right. Similarly, and linked to this, we did have a, a letter published in the last few days, which included uh, signatures from the likes of Elon Musk and a group of uh, apparent artificial intelligence experts and industry executives who called for Uh a six-month pause in developing AI. So artificial intelligence. This is in the wake of the newly launched GPT-4. Now, if you're yet to use uh, chat GPT, which I've used uh, a few times now, basically you just ask it to do something and it will engage in a human conversation. It will write well, okay. a lengthy document. It will compose a song. It will do all sorts of different things for you. And even this week, something a similar AI app called Midjourney, which comes up with images. Yeah. A, an image from Midjourney of the Pope wearing a Balenciaga-esque was- puffer jacket went viral. It was so realistic. Because it was so realistic. Yeah. I thought it was real as well. Yeah. Turns out entirely artificially generated. Yeah, there's so, been another leap. We saw another leap in AI, basically, in the, in the last couple of months. For yeah. sure. So this open letter has been published. Elon Musk among the uh, signatories, yeah. signees. Yeah. Uh, James, what's your thoughts on all this? I mean, AI is advancing very quickly, and it needs to be done ethically. And I think that when Microsoft is firing the ethics boards or whatever in these in, AI, in their AI development, yep. that's bad. It um, is bad. I don't think the answer is like just pausing. I think that Elon wants the uh, his competitors to pause so that he has a chance to catch up or whatever. Definitely. Although I think he is is he still involved in because he was one of the founders technically of uh, OpenAI who got bought by Microsoft. I don't, I don't know if he still benefits from it at all. Maybe he sold whatever to Microsoft, and I wishes he didn't. Um, but yeah, like when you see a bunch of capitalists being like, "Oh, the people currently leading the race should pause." I don't buy that they <laughs> intend to pause themselves. They want sure. the people leading to pause so they can catch up. Yeah. Um, but th- like, yeah, AI. I think it would be good if we knew that they were taking their time and making sure that everything was ethical and right and going well and not harmful. And maybe we're going a little faster than that. But at the same time, um, I, I do think that it is inevitable. Like the advancement of technology is constant, inevitable. It's not going to be stopped. Rise of the machines. Yeah, we're going to be in Terminator lands, whatever. But it is inevitable. And therefore, it, it's more important to me that we have appropriate people legislating and appropriate people overseeing sure. than it is like trying to stop it because it won't be stopped. Yep. If we're not advancing it, people 
in, with less good interests will be advancing it. And I'm not trying to imply that OpenAI and Microsoft and Google have good in, have good intentions, but they don't have like the most evil intentions possible. So it's better to try and oversee the ones that we can okay. than just tell them to stop and let people that we can't do it all instead. Right. Penultimately, Lance Reddick, the actor who is best known yeah. for the HBO series The Wire and also John Wick, died a couple of weeks ago. Uh, according to his agent, it was natural causes in his Los Angeles home. And yeah, that was very, very sad, although he was and he is in the new John Wick movie. So there's a chance to go and see him. He's also set to appear in the TV show. Uh, the John Wick spin-off TV yeah. show Ballerina. One of his last things, yeah. So yeah, yeah. he, um, Mr. Reddick, who was a native of Baltimore, appeared in more than a dozen movies and shows during a 25-year acting career, including The Wire. And yeah, he will be missed because I liked I liked Lance Reddick a lot. He was incredible, like uh, a huge presence, and like you just recognize, oh, this is this is Reddick doing a thing, and it was always impressive. And he was he 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 was just an impressive person who who delivered and always delivered maximally um and like if you look at just the, the projects the involvement was broad this is tv film games just voiceover work just constantly um representing and then suddenly dead I, like i was shaken that was such a shock i had and I, I i came across it by accident i was someone sent me like a a joke tweet and i clicked on it and I actually clicked the profile instead of the tweet, so I got to someone's profile, and right. their message was like, oh, Reddick's dead. I'm like, what? Huh? I, I sent it to you, too. Yeah, yeah, because he was in so many projects that, that I was just watching. I'm like, what? It's one of those times where someone just so active just dies, and it's not even apparently drugs-related or anything. Like, I can't believe it. Heartbreaking. And I don't know what to expect for like the family or anything like that in the situation where suddenly... Yeah. Because he wasn't like old, old 60s, right? No, not at all. Just suddenly dead. Like, what on earth? And it's kind of scary. Like, yeah. He, he seemed healthy. <laughs> like, it's ah. going to come for us all. <laughs> okay, scary. well, on that cheery note, Asteroid well, City. Hey, we're all going to die someday. You might as well enjoy a film or two right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. This is the trailer. First trailer for the new Wes Anderson movie. I watched this for the first time this morning. And here is a clip. What do those pulses indicate? What? Oh, the beeps and blips? We don't know. Some of our information about outer space may no longer be completely accurate. Anyway, there's still only nine planets in the solar system as far as we know, Billy. Except now there's an alien. What's happening now? I don't know. I don't like the way that guy looked at us. The alien. How did he, how did he look? Like we're doomed. Maybe we are. James, I enjoyed this massively. <laughs> I don't and know. it's the most Wes Anderson yeah. that Wes Anderson has ever been. I don't know how he keeps doing this. For every film he releases, it's just like even more Wes Anderson than yep. the previous ones. Except the one, yep. like, I guess like Isle of Dogs or something, because he did animation. It, it was, felt that was like, different. It felt like Wes Anderson, but in a different format, whereas it just feels like, oh yeah, this is Wes Anderson. <laughs> he, did, he made this. But no, huge, huge film, huge cast. Uh, looks very interesting. I don't know what they're going to do with it. Uh, they haven't, because I don't want to, like, obviously it's a bit spoilery. So if you want to completely dodge spoilers, hopefully you just turn the podcast off. Um, but they haven't revealed like, the aliens right because there's aliens in it and there's some actors who's are who are on the list who weren't in the trailer so i'm Correct. assuming they're the aliens 
Um, right. Okay. Well, well, on that point, can I just read out this list? Because Wes Anderson, if you are unsure what I'm talking insane. about, this is the director who has done and has a very, very specific style of movie making. It's, uh, to use the overused word, iconic, iconic, surreal style of movie making, but heartwarming. And he also, yeah, oh, it's brilliant movies. Grand Budapest Hotel being one of his standouts. Yeah. He is the kind of guy, though, who works with the same actors in every movie. So here's who's in this movie. Are you ready? Yeah. Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Jeffrey Wright, Tilda Swinton, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Adrian Brody, Leif Schreiber, Hope Davis, Stephen Park, Robert Friend, Mia Hawke, Steve Carell, Matt Dillon, Hong Chai, Willem Dafoe, Margot Robbie, Tony Revolori, and Jeff Goldblum. This is such a list. Amazing. And some of those will be bit parts, just like a character appears two or three times, and then it's just a huge oh, name. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but that's the whole point. That's the whole thing he does. And just it's just incredible. Bit part characters, but clearly the actors really want to work with him. And he loves working with them. Yeah. And it's because he makes something that feels very unique every time. Yes. And I think there's a lot of the scenes that did, they crossed a boundary here. There was one scene where it cut to it and I was like, is he doing comic book framing? Has he done that before? I think he has, I think. But not like, like, not like this. It's just he took something he's already done and then made it even stronger <laughs> and he, he's like and this is just a trailer i'm looking forward to seeing this film a lot <laughs> i think the last thing he did was french dispatch right yes i enjoyed french dispatch very very much that is on disney right now i think his whole discography at least in the discography his whole filmography at Do least it. in the uk is on uh, absolutely disney. that's why i said discography okay <laughs> james the time is t- well and truly gone again yeah you know what we didn't do colin what we didn't review anything well it's because i didn't watch anything you didn't finish anything <laughs> nothing you still haven't finished... Wait. Andor? No. No, you still haven't finished Andor? You haven't finished The Last of Us? No. No. And not Succession, because it's just started. No. Right. And John Wick 4, no, yeah. because I wanted to see if anyone else was up for it and nobody else was. I finished Bad Batch. That's the Star Wars cartoon thing. But we can talk about that. Can we, yeah, we, can can talk we please about that save later. that for next week? Because the the episode is long enough already. We'll come back to that, right? Yeah. And we're also... You're going to finish The Last of Us, right? Or Andor, yeah? Yeah. yeah. For sure. Okay. okay. You'll just have to wait, dear listener, for those. Hold on to your ads. You like Star Wars? I'm going to talk about that next time. Nice. Okay, James, thank you all very very much for all your opinions. Thank you all of me. All of your thoughts and brain uh, ideas that came to you. thank you. And Uh uh, join us again for more. And get in touch. Ceaseoperate.gmail.com. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Kat. Oh, bye. Thanks, James. Oh, yeah. She's been sleeping peacefully. Well done. Bye. Enjoy. Take care.